Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Just Two Dads with my partner, co-host, Mr. Sean Francis. I am Brian Altunian. Today's guest is, uh, I say this every week, but today's guest is going to be fascinating. Uh, it's going to be a fascinating conversation. She is a, a, a mom, an advocate, um, licensed therapist. Oh, God, the list goes on and on. Um, Dr. Laquisa Arena. Arena? Did I pronounce that right? Arena? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, good. Dr. Arena is going to share with us her story and, and uh, her journey as she, as a mom of a child with autism, to the stuff that she was dealing with in her family and um, and making a difference in the lives of so many families uh, dealing with children with special needs. So hang on for another fun, exciting episode of Just Two Dads. Welcome back, everybody. I am Brian Altunian. I'm here with Sean Francis and our special guest today. Uh, first of all, if you're joining us on Facebook Live, hello, welcome. Please leave us comments. Um, some of them will, last week we had some great interaction and we threw comments up on the screen. So if you want your comments up on the screen, we'll, we'll talk about them, we'll address them. Uh, if you're catching us after the fact on our on our YouTube channel, uh, uh, Just Two Dads, uh, please comment there as well. We do respond to everything. Subscribe, share the content with your friends. If you're catching us on um, on any podcast outlet, uh, welcome. I think we're on Audible now. Right? Are we on Audible? We're on, we're on so many podcasts. Yes, we are. Got a little out of, out of control, which is fantastic. Episode 106, if you're catching us on WSTX AM radio down in the U.S. Virgin Islands. Uh, again, we welcome. Please interact with us. Send us an email at wearejusttwodads at gmail.com. So, so glad to be here. This is, um, uh, again, it's going to be a great conversation you know, for, for folks who have children um, with some sort of special need or medically complex issue or, you know, some sort of, of disability. You're going to relate to this conversation uh, well because this is not just somebody who comes from outside the community and, you know, and, and, and contributes, although we value that tremendously. This is a mom who's been dealing with it on her own. In fact, as, as recent as today, um, so we're going to have a conversation. You'll relate to it, and you'll get tremendous value because she is an absolutely amazing, uh, amazing warrior mom for our community. So anyways, um, before we get to you, we're going to jump over to Sean and say hello to Sean. Thank you, Sean, for giving me that note. Uh, love you, buddy. How are you feeling today? I'm doing great. Um, I can I just say before you say anything, by the way, it's Sean's birthday. Sean's birthday yesterday, so it's, you know. Yes, yes, yes. So I'm even more blessed than usual, or or, or I should say, it's more accurate is more aware of my blessings than I ordinarily would be for having had another trip around the sun. Because especially in the last two years, and in even in the last couple months, I've seen so many de uh, departures, and I just uh, I've come to the realization that I'm a very, very, very rich man. I was born rich because um, wealth equals dollars, but uh, riches. Uh, equal um, relationships and people. And, um, you know, I just wish that for everyone. I wish everyone was lucky as I am. And sometimes I feel like I'm not always um, showing my appreciation through my action uh, for my, uh, my, my blessings, but it is a work in progress as is everyone. And so speaking of which, on a work in progress, you know, our guest today is, as you mentioned, uh, you know, a licensed therapist, uh, a mom with a uh, with a child on the autism spectrum, um, and someone that is uh, a warrior. And our, our our show is always designed to shine a light on and uplift uh, people. 
And I think, I suspect, just because of the human experience being what it is, that while she adds value to people today through our conversation, she's going to be reminded of something that she probably doesn't even think that she forgot, which is the fact that you are not alone in your uh, battle between um, the diagnosis and the things that it takes just to get through life and add value to others. And uh, please welcome to Just Two Dads, Dr. Laquista Arena. Welcome. <laughs> and live. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. There you go. Going, yeah, going you fro fro froze there for a second. You did hear my welcome, right? I did. I did. And I was <laughs> okay. Thank you so much. I'm so happy um, and honored to be here to talk to you, two awesome dads. Um, today. Well, thank you so very much. Uh, the way we typically begin the show, as you may know, is you know, uh, especially when you're caught up in doing what you doing what you do. One, you're just being yourself, and or doing what you have to do, so you see yourself as anything but a hero, but I get the pleasure of telling people that they're wrong for thinking that because uh, the people that are here are in fact heroes and every hero has powers and a hero's powers begin with um, their origin. So why don't you start by telling us a little bit about yourself, where you're from and because um, how we were raised plays a great deal, um, a great role in how we respond to that what do we refer to it as um, the, the the day of, we got several words for the day of diagnosis, the day of diagnosis, um, the day of, you know, you know what you're not going to be able to do. There's so many terms, but who we are determines how we deal with those things. And so why don't we start with that and tell us a little bit about yourself and your journey? Yeah, so I am, I'm from a really small town um, in Georgia. It's called Social Circle, Georgia. Wow. <laughs> Social Circle, Georgia. Social Circle, wow. How far is it from Atlanta? Um, Atlanta went out. How far is it from where? Atlanta. Atlanta. It's about, I would say like 40 miles east of Atlanta. It's like right off of I-20, one red light town. Um, like wow. just growing up where everybody kind of knew everybody. Um, for me, I'm the oldest child. My mom had me when she was really young. So I really grew up with my grandmother kind of being like the mother figure and, you know, in the household with my mom and her siblings, my mom being the oldest. So mm -hmm. for me, I kind of felt like I was my mom and I were more like siblings and best friends growing up. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's a huge age gap between my siblings and myself. There is a nine and seven year age gap. So I was kind of like an only child um, growing up in this small town, very introverted, um, kind of geeky, um, didn't do too many things. But one thing I decided was I did not want to stay in this small town. And so when I was 17 years old, I signed up for the military. I was like, I'm going to the army. I'm never looking back. And mm -hmm. that's what I did. I signed up. I joined the army reserves, never thinking for um, in a million years of where that journey would lead me. Um, ultimately, it led me being a year each. So I did two combat tours. I did an active duty AGR tour. 
and ultimately um, retired after over 21 years of service. Wow. And I will I will say I've been to war um, twice, the same the same war twice, which <laughs> kind of blows my mind. Like, how am I back here again <laughs> in this country? And wow. none of that compares to this journey that I am on as an autism mom, because I never thought I would be here. And it just, it blows my mind to this day that this is my life. And I don't okay. say that in a Oh, we've got pauses. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We can hear you now. I, I sent you, you said you don't say that. And I, I we couldn't hear your words, but it's obviously to state that you didn't want to point, paint that in a negative life, light, mm -hmm. I should say. So then tell me this. Um, you just really giving me some perspective. You're like, you know, you went to war. That's some, that means that you may not come back home. Or if you do, you may come back in a box. And yet you say that that is nothing compared to the challenges that you have as a parent to a child with autism. Uh, let's unpack that for a second. What would you say if you can is first then the biggest challenge um, that you experienced um, as a veteran um, going, going to war and, and furthermore, thank you for your service. Oh. Thank you. Thank you for the support. Um, <laughs> I can't even believe I'm getting emotional talking about this, but um, okay, it's okay. We're here. Right. The thing as a woman, like as a black woman going into combat, like my job isn't combat. Like I thought I was safe. <laughs> I did the mail, I'm postal. Like, what do you mean I'm going to war? But that whole experience really kind of changed who I was as a person, as someone who is, like I mentioned before, like so introverted, so reserved, like just kind of, you know, want to be friends with everybody, like looking at the world with rose colored glasses and thinking that the world is one way and then going war I really didn't understand because I was so young the first time I went but um, really most of the challenges I had was like internal like within like the military within the, within itself um, you know military sexual trauma like all of these things but I specifically remember so I have an older son he you know he's neurotypical but my oldest son, he was about two or three years old when I went to Iraq my second time. And at the time, I remember having a conversation with my ex-husband. Well, we were married at the time. And I told him, I said, if I don't come back, make sure my baby. And, you know, we just made this promise that, you know, if I go over here, um, and I don't make it back that he would raise our son, you know, close to my family because he, he, you know, he was really close to my family. And so, like, till this day, we have, like, this great relationship. Like, it affected us, you know, him being 
um, a husband watching his wife go off to war, not kind of being associated with the military in any way. And then me being a young mom, you know, going on my second tour, put in a leadership role and trying to navigate all of these things and just wanting to come back and having to disconnect from everything I love back home in order to survive. And so when I say all of that, all of those things, um, it still didn't, it doesn't compare to (laughs) this journey that I'm on um, as a parent of an autistic child. Like, um, it really doesn't. Mm. How how old is your oldest your oldest neurotypical child? And I don't know why my why my connection is just going in and out. So I do apologize for that. But that's that's life. That's right. That okay. is life. Right. That <laughs> is life. It's okay. That, that's and that's different. That's, that's partly our, you know our creation because we've chosen to 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 do our show live, which a lot of podcasts don't. So you know, but that that's more than more than fine. Um, it's the reality asking. of day to day for most people. There yeah, is this thing on. Can you hear me? Hey, Joe, unmute your call. Unmute your. You know, it's like. Anyway, it's all good. I, I, yeah. I asked you was how old is your oldest your oldest child? Your neurotypical child. Yeah, so he's seventeen. He'll be eighteen um, in February. So this is his senior year. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I have this six year old who will be seven in November. So this. The age gap thing really kind of tripped me out as well. Yeah. Um, so tell me. You know. Yeah. Tell us this then. Would you would you say, you know, you're in the military, you're you're in active duty, serving in a war. Your husband's not with you, but you're still married, so you're together, so to speak. You since mentioned don't know how long you've been divorced but you no longer are married would you would you say that facing this journey as a parent to a child with autism as a single parent even though you were not physically in the same place as your husband when you were at war would you say that that plays a role in the difficulty of the journey i didn't catch the last part when you said would i would say you, would, this is what journey would, would would you say that that plays a role in the difficulty or the level of difficulty or struggle that you have in the journey being a single being mm-hmm. being single absolutely and i will say look this is my second ex-husband <laughs> so okay. um, you know the military you know we if you don't have at least two divorces like did you really serve <laughs> Um, that's a different exercise. See, and that's um, funny because you're saying that as a, as a joke, but I guess what you're saying with saying is that you have a familiarity with both marriage and the military, as I have a familiarity with marriage and autism specifically. My wife and I have been married for uh, 17 years, and I know that it doesn't usually go that way with any kind of special needs you know, as far as a diagnosis goes. And so you're talking about having marriages with two things that have challenged them. So then let, let, let's back up and look at some chronology here then. So you've, you left, you finished high school, went right into the military, um, became a young mom and married, went and served. Um, and then how long were you, were you in Iraq the first time? Um, 
both times a year. Um, so 2003 to 2004, when the war first kind of kicked off, the war in Iraq, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, yeah. we were we were going in immediately after um, the Marines had went in. So there was literally nothing there. Like we in basically a cutoff trash can with gasoline. Like we had nothing. We slept on the ground. It it was horrible. I can't believe I <laughs> survived that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, right. But yeah, it was a year the first time. And mm-hmm. then my second deployment, I went back in 2007. So the first time I went, I wasn't married. Like, you know, I'm 20, what, 22 years old, unmarried, single, like just green to the world. Um, the second time I went at um, 2007, I was still fairly early in our marriage. You know, we were about a year and a half into being married um, mm-hmm. with this kid. And that definitely played, you know, such such a big part in like some, as a young married couple my ex-husband having no affiliation with the military. He's just listening to what, you know, maybe some of his buddies, you know, know about the military and all the stereotypes about, you know, when when your spouse goes off to war, like Jody, like all of these jokes, these military jokes, and that definitely played um, a role in that. Sure. Um, Amazing. So then you were there for a year and then different experience, I'm sure, as a married as a married woman than it was the first time around. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. We've heard stories about the the military, you know, issues with with some of the military and interpersonal relationships and how challenging that can be. Um, So when we tell you thank you for your service, it's really it's really multi level because thank you for serving the country and protecting our rights. And also thank you for enduring whatever you've, you had to endure. So I know that, 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 that's difficult. Um, so you came back and then, and then you and your first husband got, got divorced after, after your mm-hmm. second tour. And then you mm-hmm. remarried. Yeah. yeah. You, Let me ask you this, just, just as, just as one human being, yeah. one spirit, one spirit, caring for another have you received and you can go into as much detail uh, as you do or do not care to have you received any kind of um and i'd imagine the answer is yes based on your profession but have you received any kind of therapy or help um you know to get through what you've been through because you're talking about and this is without i'm a very visual person my mind is all over the place brian and i have said you know i talk about i think this show has made me accept that I have never been diagnosed, but the way my brain works, I think the way I process things might fall under one jurisdiction or the other. And when you mention what you did, and maybe even more importantly, when you did not mention certain things, the screen in my head gets to go on right away. And I get to thinking about what you've been through that I can relate to as a parent in a marriage with of a child on the autism spectrum. But I couple that with what it must be like to be a single parent and then what it must be like to have gone through what you did in the military. So that's why I'm asking about the, any of the 
any therapy that you might have received as well? Yeah, it was my so when you when you're over when you're over there and you're getting ready to come back home, everybody wants to come home and you know you have to go through the screening process um to right. get cleared to come home. Nobody wants to check the box. Hey, I've seen some things, I experienced some things, I want to talk to someone. So no one checked mm -hmm. that box. So the first deployment, everybody was just like, okay, I'm good. I just want to go home. I think mm -hmm. what the military and the um, Department of Veterans Affairs realized was, hey, these people are coming home and they're dealing with some stuff. But none of them really checked in. They said they were okay. And so by the time my second deployment came, they had changed the process a bit, which they knew everybody was going to say they were okay. But they had created um, like a service line um, in the VA specifically to work with OEF, OIF veterans. And so they actually reached out to us um, after we had gotten home and gotten settled. And so I was definitely struggling with PTSD. I, I was like depression. And then I mentioned like military sexual trauma. And so I, I will say me being someone who has um, thought about suicide have lost many battle buddies to suicide. It was at that moment that I was like, hey, I need help and going to the VA, working with a social worker that actually brought me to the profession that I'm in. I was like, hey, this is what I want to do. I want to work with trauma. I want to work with veterans, specifically women who have experienced trauma. And so I decided to go back to school, get my master's, and then eventually get my doctorate and work with veterans. Um, so that's kind of how I came to be, just because the of path. the walk that. Uh, I was going to ask about that path. I want to touch on one thing that's just a little sensitive. You don't have to go into detail, but you mentioned it twice. And I, um, as I hear it, I feel heartbroken and angry. When you talk about those three words, military sexual trauma, we have guests on this show. We have an idea that somebody might be a fit for the show, and we have a sort of pre-show conversation with them. That didn't come up in the in our conversation, so I didn't expect us to go there. So number one, that's not something that you had to even mention. Um, and the fact that you did, I commend you and I love you for it. Number one. Number two, um, and I'm guessing the answer is more than I realize. Now, is that something that is extremely prevalent in our military? It is. Um, and I guess, like, I didn't know I was going to come and talk about this or even mention it. It just came up. <laughs> I don't know where the emotions came from. I I don't know how it came up because I don't typically talk about it, um, but it's very prevalent, much, much more so than we like to realize. Um, I, my last position, um, I worked 
while working for someone else, I worked for the Air Force as a civilian and I was their sexual assault response coordinator. So kind of the program manager um, taking in all of the sexual assault cases that we would get. And the numbers are alarming um, and not just females, um, males, um, men, women, it, it doesn't matter. Um, it affects is really is really heartbreaking to you know for me to kind of know like some of these personal stories and just how they get kind of swept under the rug and you know you know in the military rank structure definitely plays a part in that like you can look at any of these movies out here that kind of touch on that and it's absolutely true um, lots of <laughs> cover-ups and, you know, it, it it's an issue, that's a problem. That's the thing that's really, really getting me right now because I'm asking if it's prevalent. I consider myself to be a fairly conscious person. And the fact that I have to ask is a byproduct of the fact that it's not commonly reported, especially not publicly. So to, again, to you for having the willingness to share that, Thank you. For the person who's listening on Facebook and their um, name only shows as Facebook user, thank you for expressing that you can relate to that based on your own experience. And to anyone else that has experienced that, you are not alone. If yeah. you're listening to, if you if you're hearing that that this is prevalent, you're not alone. And I'm thinking beyond the military, and I'm just thinking of humanity. Period. And then. Last thing I'll say on that subject is that to anyone that is a perpetrator of a crime like that, there are some of you that need help. And the compassionate portion of me is stating, get the help that you need. The profession is there for a reason. And for the person who might be less worthy of compassion for committing such an act, Shame on you. Let's keep moving with that uh, uh, off from there. Yeah, we could do an entire we could do an entire segment on on this. And and, you know, again, we should come back and do that sometime in the future, because if it's that difficult to talk about, that means that it's that worthy. And they say that coincidences. I don't know whether you what what, if anything, one believes in greater than themselves, whether you're an atheist or, or, or what. But it's, it's been said that coincidences are God's way of remaining anonymous. I don't know how we ended up on that topic today and happen to have someone Again, listening who it relates to that. I think it goes to the to the to the fact that a lot of us deal with with challenges. And we think that the challenges that we face individually are you know horrible and horrific. And, you know, we put ourselves in sort of like a me, me, me focus. But when we hear stories like this, then we realize, you know, my situation actually is nothing compared to what, but forget about dealing with the atrocities that you, that you, that you encounter when you go to war and what you deal with in the military in general and the external side, but having to deal with it internally with folks on your own, on your own side of the fence. Um, mm -hmm. And that it's perpetuated and covered up and all that stuff that, that, that makes it even worse. But for those of us who go through personal challenges, it's no, it's it, it's it's much. These conversations are great to have because it reminds us that our situation is our situation, and that people are in, can be in much more difficult, dealing with much more difficult um, 
experiences and it shapes all of us. And so we always end our show. We're not ending it right now, but we always end our show talking about empathy and love. And that just goes right to it, right? You want to empathize with the people that you, that, mm -hmm. that you encounter every day because you have no idea what they go through. And when it comes to folks in the military, I'm always grateful. And I always, I always say thank you to the service for, for, thank you for your service to those that I encounter. Thank you for coming home. Thank you for, 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 you know, for, for protecting our rights and all of that. That's easy to do on my part, but to be truly empathetic and to understand really the traumatic experiences that you all have gone through, um, we have no concept really. And so being empathetic to your situation is, is something that I think is a great lesson for all of us, for all of us. And then Thank you for one, that. one last thing related to that topic, you know, our show often takes the perspective of being a father to um, a, a child with special needs because, you know, let's just face it, w women are up front and women are almost always present, you know, mothers, although, you know, sometimes that's not the case as well. But our role as, as, as fathers is so, so, so important. We could spend a, an entire show on that as well because the boys that we raise, right, those are the men who are they become the men who when faced with certain situations will take a certain path and it is our responsibility to make them as great a citizen of the planet as they could possibly be so that they don't become perpetrators of such crimes and become protectors um um well not just to women because a lot of women need protection but but okay. protectors to humanity and 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 um and and life so go if ahead there, that comes i mean if, if there's a if there's a if there's a silver lining and and hard hard to imagine but there is in your particular case because you took that that trauma and when you when you encountered somebody you're like this is what i want to do because i know the stories are prevalent and i know there are people that need our help and so you were able to take that and then make a decision about your profession will you kind of share a little bit about that how that happened because because that's exactly. just, you know, being a counselor and dealing with trauma, then you encountered your own experience with your, you know, with your child with some issues, you know, of autism. So can you share that that path, that journey? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I'm sorry. Don't be. That's okay. <laughs> yes, Jackson. Can you go sit down right there and be quiet while I finish? Thank you. <laughs> it's real life. Um, it's our it's our real life. It, it is like who who would have thought he would have? I had to go pick him up from school <laughs> today. Today of all days, right? It's today it's of all days. Um, but yeah, so um, because of like my struggle with, like I said, PTSD. Um, and coming back, it was specifically a social worker that I work with um, who made such a Im big impact on my life. And, you know, I was like, hey, this is what I want to do because I don't want to lose another battle buddy, another brother, another sister to suicide. Yeah. I was that person sitting down with a bottle of pills couldn't connect to my child. This is my oldest child. At the time when I came back, I couldn't connect 
with my child, with my spouse, he felt, you know, you talk about from a dad and a husband perspective, he felt so helpless that he wasn't able to protect me in all of these situations. And, you know, he dealt with it the way in which he could. It was just like our family was just broken. Like my mom literally had to come in and help, you know, get my son ready for school and cook and clean and all of these things. I was fortunate that I needed, you know, looking at my child and, you know, my husband, like, okay, I have to be here for this person. This person really depends on me. And that was what really kind of kicked things into gear. And so when I met with that social worker and worked with her, I was like, this is what I wanted to do. And, you know, luckily I found a program through um, USC, University of Southern California, that had like a military and veterans um, concentration for their social work program. And so it just felt, everything felt in alignment for me. And I was like, this is what I want to do. Um, and crazy enough, um, I wanted to be a social worker in the military. I wanted to go back on active duty to do the military, the army social worker program. Mm. And when I applied for that, you know, because they'll pay for you to go to school, get your master's, you know, you commission as an officer. The process, and this is several years kind of later, in the process of me going out to um, commission and apply for this program. That's when I found out I was pregnant with Jackson. And of course, mm. I didn't qualify because I couldn't pass the physical at that point because I was um, pregnant. So everything kind of, you know, lines up and, you know, all makes sense now that this is this baby here, you know, me not thinking that I would ever have any more kids at this age. At that age, I was considered advanced maternal age, <laughs> and I had a geriatric pregnancy, which kind of tripped me out. Like, what? Oh my gosh! <laughs> yeah, because I'm like 35. <laughs> They're like, technically, you're going to be 36 when you have your baby. Uh, you know, that's considered. You know, <laughs> that's geriatric. Because of my feelings a little bit about it. But um like I said, he he's been a blessing, but it this all of that, uh it probably prepared me for mm. this journey that I'm on, but at the same time it doesn't compare because mm -hmm. you have to be built differently to raise a child who has special needs or um, is differently able than like the neurotypical child and raising mm -hmm. them in this society, yeah. in this society of social media and everybody having um, an opinion that they feel entitled to share and <laughs> express it. My gosh. So it, it is crazy yeah. um it, it really yeah. is yeah, yeah. yeah so you so you began in the program at you know at sc you're having jackson and then at, so at this point having jackson you're you've been divorced and now remarried sorry cut out 
Okay, I'm sorry. So you got you're you're the studying at um to the program at USC, and you've been divorced not and not pregnant with with Jackson and married about to get married. Um, so we crazy enough. <laughs> I have all these interesting stories. <laughs> so um, I actually, you know, I left Georgia and I was like, I'm leaving Georgia. I took a job in Minnesota. Like I come from a one red light town, moved to Minnesota. Like what person does that? And then Where I got Minnesota? a job, uh, Minneapolis. <laughs> I lived in Minneapolis for 10 years. Love the city. And I actually loved it except for the winter. Um, but I went, yeah. I took a job as a civilian at the army up there. And then I finally got in at the VA in Connecticut. So when I moved to Connecticut, I had to, at this point, I'm in the Army Reserves. And so I had to change my unit. And when I went to I met this guy who happens to be Jackson's dad now. Um, but we met, um, he in-processed me. Like, um, he was impressed with, like, my credentials, I guess. At the time, I was working on my doctorate. And... He was, I was like, yeah, I'm commissioning, I want to commission this social work program. And he was like, oh, wow, like, I would love to commission. And I actually ended up being his tutor because um, I was like, this is what you got to do. I'll help you. And we, that's how we kind of got together. And then, you know, Jackson came, we broke up, like, that's, that's a whole nother thing that we ended up getting back together and getting married. <laughs> But yeah, it didn't work because uh, we're divorced. <laughs> so I, I ultimately ended up being a single mom, um, raising my child, which, you know, that we got divorced right after his diagnosis. So um, and I will, you know, we were talking earlier a little bit about like the challenges that, you know, some of these things. And being pretty early on into a marriage, even though we had this child, um, it was very difficult because in the beginning, we didn't know. Like, we just, I was like, okay, like, it's been a while since I had a child. Maybe I forgot, but something mm -hmm. just doesn't seem right over it's here. Right. Like, why am I, why is it such a struggle? Um, right. And it definitely affected our relationship as well. How old was Jackson when he was diagnosed? Um, he, he, so I noticed like two and a half. Um, that's when I took him to the pediatrician and we got the referral for the evaluation. He was diagnosed just before his third birthday. But when I took him to the pediatrician, um, she was like, hey, it's like a six month wait. Um, to get in, but we have early intervention here. He qualifies, call these people. And so I called them and he started early intervention like immediately. And that was like so helpful for us because that he wasn't talking. Um, he, you know, not really communicating with us. It was just like a whole bunch of things that I noticed that I wasn't really sure, but um, I was like, I just need to get, I don't know what this is. I just want to be able to help my child the best way I can. Yeah. Right. You don't know if you're crazy or not. You're like, wait a minute. Is this, mm -hmm. is there really something here or, and, and let that be, you know, the best things are caught, not taught. If you're listening, 
and you have a child who may be missing milestones or or something like that, you know, and Brian can relate to this because Brian always says that, you know, his, his mom, who he loves, yeah. had the nagging, um, you know, comment with his daughter, Jordan, is that she's not babbling. She's not, she should be. And Brian's response was like, yeah, 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 like whatever. And then kind of like, huh. So the bottom line is if you go to a doctor and find out that everything's on track, you're, there's nothing to worry about, that's not time wasted. Peace of mind is invaluable. And right. But if it turns out that there is something that needs further uh, evaluation, you know, uh, by all means, you know, that's that's time well spent. It's, it's never wasted if, if anybody's listening. Yeah. 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 Dr. Rina, by the way, just so you know, I I've also been married and divorced twice. So so it's, it's okay. you know, right. So we, <laughs> we have. You know, we've got that commonality and it, and it, and it happens a lot of the time, you know, especially yeah. children in, with special needs issues, you know, it adds an additional level of stress and pressure. You obviously through the, with the military and that experience to an additional level of pressure. So, but just know that, you know, stigmas are all judgmental and doesn't, you know, doesn't apply to us. We do the best job that we possibly can do for our families. Um, by the way, I have two phenomenal co-parents. That's the way I look at it. Um, we parent our children, and that's our commitment is to make sure that our children have everything that they need to be successful. So, um, hopefully, you you have that that support. So you so you had this experience with Jackson, and then between the experience with Jackson and what you were encountering, again, my daughter was diagnosed 25 years ago. So time was it was completely different back then than it is today. Um, and so the resources and those, although we got into early intervention as well, so that helped us on the path, but, um, you know, we didn't have a lot of access to resources. How did you, how did you take that social work experience, your experience as a mom, now a single mom with a child with special needs, and then convert that into the work that you're doing? Because the work that you're doing is phenomenal. We want people to, to know what that's all about. Mm -hmm. Yeah, thank you so much for that. So. Um, I, I think the military, you know, just really kind of having to be prepared for anything at any moment, like that definitely helped me to, okay, I can take this information, let me process it, and then it's time to get the business. So um, some of the best advice I got when he was first diagnosed from, so I have a network of like, over 20,000 like um, clinicians of color, like I'm a manager of like their Facebook group. I remember going to the group and I was like, hey, this just happened with my basically deal with this. Like, can someone offer some advice or suggestions? So I tapped into the network that I knew, which is so important. Like if you look around, you probably have um, people around you that you may or may not know who have experienced some of the same same things. But one of the therapists who um, works with autism, who has autistic children, she said, it's okay to feel what you, you are feeling, whether it is guilt or shame, you know, whatever it is, have the feelings, but you have to move past it and really continue and get back to being like a great mom like you know how to do that like there there's no difference like I know how to be a good mom like I I don't question that but how do I how do I help this child who needs additional help 
okay, if I don't know, I'm going to go out, I'm going to research, I'm going to ask questions, I'm going to network. And now truthfully that, hey, I'm this therapist, I have this network, I can tap into them when I need. I have this knowledge, you know, nothing's going to happen. Like I know about IEPs, I know all of these things. But last year, Jackson started kindergarten and that kind of changed everything. On his first day of kindergarten, um, the school called me like two hours in, told me to come pick my child up. And I was like, excuse me, what? Is he sick? Is he hurt? It was like, no, you just need to come get him. He's being disruptive. And so I was already on defense when I got to the school and I'm like, what's going on? Like this child, you know, he had gone through so much. Like this was very early in the divorce process. We had moved from New Jersey back to Georgia. You know, he had went to pre-K the year before we had like the end of school IEP meeting and he's transferring to this huge school, elementary school with 1200 students. It's day one. Like in the summer, we went up. Teacher, why don't you have any compassion and understanding to know that this is all new for him? It's going to be challenging. And it's a gen ed, and gen ed the information Well, they had him in a mixed classroom. You okay, baby? Okay, well, go lay down, please, since you're sick. Okay, well, sit down and be quiet. Thank you. <laughs> so he was in a mixed classroom, being Ed, with, like, um, he had, like, a special education teacher in the classroom. Yeah. Um, and they said he tried to elope. So what happened when we got to the root of it, what happened was they were taking the kids around showing them, this is the media center. This is the cafeteria. This is okay. you know, X, Y, Z. When they got to the cafeteria, my child's like cafeteria, I'm supposed to eat. <laughs> why, why are we not eating? Why else would we be there? Yeah. Yeah. This does not make sense to me. And when they tried to get him I guess tried to grab him or move him along and he just spazzed out and then eloped and it was like a whole thing like they tried to restrain him and it just turned uh, like fight or flight that's what my child went into like I don't know you people yeah. why are you touching me all of these things so when I got to the school we were he was calm by this time and I asked him asked if he wanted to stay he said he would and i was like okay well this, you know it's day one it's not gonna be an issue yeah but then day two day three week one we like it was getting so bad that the teacher was calling and texting me so much that i was like listen you cannot like i have clients like i can't run to this school every little thing well, you know, he had a meltdown because the toilet is too loud. Okay, he has headphones. Like, it, it, was, it was clear that she was not prepared. They had not read anything, and that's what they're supposed to. That's what they're supposed to be trained to handle. That's why he's at that right. school and not someplace else. Yeah, absolutely. But I think it boils right. down to they didn't want to be bothered with him. No, they already had written him off. He's a young black boy. Um, he's a little bit taller than some of the other kids, but you know, 
when he got suspended. So week three, he got suspended. I had no idea. He came home on the bus. They the suspended bus him for this? <laughs> the bus driver absolutely loved my child. He was like shocked. Um, I just happened to open up his notebook with his paperwork saying, you know, he had knocked some things down. He couldn't come back to school for like five days. And it, it, it was just, I was so distraught. I felt so helpless. I didn't know what to do. And I posted about it on Facebook and so many people, like I said, in my community who who had special needs, but they reached out to me. And one, um, going back to the military, my old first sergeant, his wife is an autism advocate. And she called me and she kind of walked me through the process. This is what you need to do. Um, you know, he ended up being placed into another school, which I was totally against, but um, it actually turned out to be the better solution for him. And he actually was in a place, you know, a special education classroom, smaller, with, you know, people who actually wanted him there, which he's such a sweet kid. Um, he's so smart and he's just been thriving. And so this school year, I realized like all of this trauma, I was starting to get um PT my PTSD was like activated. I was like, oh my gosh, like school is starting. I don't know how this is going to work. And then I had so many parents reach out that they have been experiencing the same thing with their kids, like getting the calls um, multiple times a day. Like, you know, I had two parents contact me this week alone saying that they just found out their child wasn't getting like speech therapy, which they were supposed to be getting in the classrooms. They don't know what the same to do. school, the same school. The no, these are, it's still Georgia, but no, it's different counties, but it's ridiculous. And a lot of parents feel, feel so helpless and trying to navigate like all of these things on their own. And so I was like, well, I have this community who loves like kind of watching our videos and you know hearing parts of our story so when i mm -hmm. share this video of jackson getting his hair cut and talking about you know just like the sensory issues that he has with getting a haircut um never expected that video to kind of go viral but that really kind of kicked things off with people really looking a community for autism moms to kind of help mm -hmm. them navigate like all of these stages on the spectrum and then also to build stronger bonds with their kids because you know at one point I didn't feel you know that connection that I thought I should feel with my child um just because it was so difficult I, I just felt like I was just going through the motions every day couldn't get a break, <clears throat> not taking care of myself. And right. it really had me, I wasn't myself. Like I, I was walking around like depressed and angry <laughs> all the time. Um, so much so I didn't realize um, 
I like to say that I have rest and be face a lot. And Jackson, <laughs> he asked me one day, he's like, why are you so angry? And I'm like, I'm not angry, baby. He's like, but you walk around with your face like this. And I was like, okay, I really do have to be careful. Um, and so being a therapist, I put my therapist hat on and we talk a lot about emotions and, you know, I apologize to my son. Like I asked to him and not to say that, you know, our journey is perfect or we got it all figured out, but we developed like a pretty good system for the most part. You know, our days are pretty smooth. Good, good. So we, we, we can't be... We can't be warriors and warriors. And sometimes even the darkest things that happen to us are in some way, shape or form happening for us. And we, when we've been talking recently about how the person that you were is the person who is best equipped to help people who were once in that situation as well. So with that said, you know, tell a little more about the Awesome uh, Mom Society, which is, you know, your business and your, your entity, which, uh, which, which you've launched. And we want to make sure that people know about. Yeah. So <clears throat> I created the Awesome Mom Society as kind of more than much more than a support group. It's kind of like group coaching with the support that moms need to navigate um, their child spectrum journey without losing their minds. Because I was that parent who literally lose my mind. And a big part of that is really about self-care and taking care of yourself as a mom your whole health, um, whether it is your fitness, your mental health, wellness, overall health, so that you can show up and be the person you need to be for your child. Like who can who can really connect with anybody, let alone your child, when you're, you know, battling like depression or you yeah. have all these health issues that you're dealing with, you're burnt out from work. Um, your relationship is in shambles. And so teaching moms to prioritize those things, to teach them how to advocate for themselves, how to build communities, um, how to connect with other moms. And so it's really a safe space for us to be able to discuss all of these important things because, you know, while I'm navigating this on a, you know, my son is in first grade, you know, I know it's going to be a different set of challenges when he goes to high school and mm -hmm. 18 is into adulthood. And so the community as a whole will be able to provide that value um, that other moms can benefit from. Beautiful. That's beautiful. Thank you. Um, I know that we'd love to, you know, again, the hour goes by by very fast, but you, you have, people can join your, um, the awesome mom society, right? If they go to the site, first of all, which is beautiful. And then they, there's a place where they can, they can, they can join, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So if you go to awesomemomsociety.com, there is a tab for membership and it'll list like all of the, um, benefits that you get from joining. It is a monthly membership and because it is so new, like, the people who join now, they're considered like founding members. Nice. Mm -hmm. And so they are actually able to grow with the community. So as we forge like these relationships with different organizations and brands who are excited to work with us and to be able to provide, you know, resources to this community, like they get to 
witnessed something amazing. Like I, I just, this is something I prayed about and I kind of, I was like, no, this isn't for me, but it keeps coming up. And so here we are. What happens? Beautiful. Well, the site's beautiful. And, um, and, you know, knowing your, your background and, 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 and your history and really what you've been through puts you in a unique position to, to help. Um, and again, help folks who are dealing with some level of, of trauma and stress as well and, and anxiety and depression, all of those things that we often deal with as parents of special needs children. So we're getting close to the end of our show. I know uh, this episode, Sean, do you want to try to actually ask the question now? I know Sean Hall, by the way, our producer in, in Hawaii who keeps us on track, he's like blasting us, you know, like. <laughs> get to the point the question i'll go through it really quick i'll go through it really quick this is because i think there's such such tremendous value in it especially yeah. today given um dr arena's story uh, our ability to change the world is tied in some way great or small to our ability or our willingness to change ourselves so with that said give us an example of one thought or belief that you once um really felt strongly about but no longer believed to be true mm. You know, I I kind of been wrestling with this question because there's so much. Um, I think the biggest change that I have seen in myself, like as a parent, is just the idea and the thought that my child belongs to me. Like, this is my child. You do as I say. <laughs> uh, Longer really freeze than usual. Really froze <laughs> time. Hopefully she comes. Uh, <laughs> and the thing I appreciate so much, um, he has like this nasty cough. Hope, hopefully it's not, it's okay. you know, the C word. But um, right. the thing I appreciate so much about um, my son is his ability to just be completely honest with me. So he challenges me like <laughs> with patience, with questioning why. Sometimes, you know, you say you you tell your children to do certain things. He's not going to do it unless I make it make sense to him. And so he's like, but why? Um, and I can't go with the because I said so because I'm your mother. And so I really had to really reflect and be like, okay, he is his own person. Like he doesn't belong to me. He's a gift given to me. I'm the vessel mm -hmm. that brought him into this world, mm -hmm. but he mm -hmm. is his own person. Like I don't force him to do anything, even though I feel like he should do um, certain mm -hmm. things, especially like with the haircuts, because I wanted him to look a certain way. But I'm like, why am I putting my child through all of this trauma? Because I want him to get a haircut to be presentable for society and I'm getting upset. No, mm -hmm. if he tells me no and he's not ready, I have to honor that. And so even as little people, um, they have wishes um, that I must honor you know, as his parent, as a person who is guiding him to be like a productive um, citizen in this world. And so hopefully he'll be able to take on, you know, all of the great qualities and, wow. you know, go out and do great things. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. There you go. Um, first of all, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for all of your contribution, Dave. It's actually amazing and, 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 and moving and 
it fits right in with how I generally sign off. So first of all, I want to thank Sean Hall, our producer in Hawaii, and all the folks catching us live on Facebook and after the fact on YouTube and our podcast listeners or whatever outlet you're on and our family down in the Virgin Islands. Um, thank you all for listening in, for the contributions, the comments. Um, hopefully you'll reach out to Dr. Arena's uh, site if, if you're so inclined and join that membership. And again, remember, I think this day of all days, if you can uh, look at the world, you know, through the lenses of love and have some empathy for the folks that are going through something, be curious and not judgmental and ask questions and have some empathy. You have no idea what the person is going through on the other side. So um, that's it. With that, I'm going to throw it to Sean to close us out and again, Dr. Arena. Thank you so much for everything, for your contribution to us um today and in your service you're amazing thank you thank you thank you so much hi jackson <laughs> there is get, get his, his hand was in the frame that was about it he's not giving us much else but i want to thank dr arena for her time today i want to thank everyone that is listening wherever you might be i want to um thank the women in my life without whom i would not be that is my amazing wife laura my mom jan and remember uh questions are more powerful than statements we should be more child uh, like and less childish. Um, make sure that you um, like and subscribe um, and share on, on our YouTube channel and wherever you um, get your podcasts. And um, uh, just remember, we love you. Thank you so very much. There he is. Hey, Jackson. See you later. Okay. Right, thanks again, everybody. <laughs>